As I reach you today, the Republican Party is in disarray at the national level, unable even to choose a speaker for the House of Representatives that they now own. I have two solutions that I think the Republicans on both sides should seriously consider if they both want to accomplish their objectives. First, I have a candidate of exceptional qualifications who could step into the role very quickly. Then I have another suggestion that I think the Gang of 20 should consider if they want to shift from being ineffective zealots to legitimate reformers with a mandate from a majority of the public to accomplish some of their objectives. I'm Bill Shireman, and this is a moment of BS, a look at politics and the culture wars, who's really behind them, and how we can reestablish a healthy democracy with a governing majority that gets things done. Let's review what the rebels say they want. Nearly all the media coverage of this battle has focused on labeling the dissidents as hard-right conservatives and leave the impression that these are kind of super-Trump, super-mega voters, lawmakers who would be first in line to return Donald Trump to the presidency. But if they are really supporting the goals that they say they are, Donald Trump is not their candidate, and Donald Trump's base are not their voters. Here's what the group says it wants. First, they want to stop spending so much money. They think the trillions of dollars that the government has spent beyond its actual tax revenues should be scaled back to essentially zero, that we should have a balanced federal budget with no deficit spending. They want to make it easier to shut down government offices that are ineffective and fire government workers that aren't doing their jobs. They want to reduce earmarking of funds for special projects in districts to buy votes of lawmakers. Finally, they want a much simpler federal tax system that would replace federal income taxes with a consumption tax. Now, all these are complicated issues. And I think that if the proponents of these ideas want to actually make them happen, they're shooting themselves in the head. They have no broad public mandate, no bipartisan support, no significant business supporters. They haven't done the work they need to do to build a base and haven't apparently thought through the process of a transition to get us toward their goals. Instead, they're insisting that their ends justify their means, that they don't need a majority or even a plurality of citizens to agree with them, that their righteousness should just be enough to force their policies into being. That's the quickest way to undermine support for them and their objectives. But looking at their objectives from a bit of a distance, They're not all that bad. Federal spending has gotten wildly out of control. We now issue checks for a trillion dollars, it seems, every time the economy hits a little bump. That is clearly not sustainable. I'd like a system that has the capacity to spend more than it takes in when that makes true economic sense. But we now have two parties that are out of control in their impulse to just write more checks. So maybe we should give some thought to what the Gang of 20 is saying. Furthermore, we have a federal government with workers who are all members of the same union. And while I believe in the need for collective bargaining for interchangeable workers, it is as dangerous to have monopoly unions as it is to have monopoly corporations, and especially if they run the government. 
We see federal agencies established all the time, but very few of them are ever shut down or challenged. It's part of what causes government to grow and grow and grow, and yet become more and more dysfunctional as we're seeing now. So it's not entirely crazy to make it easier to prune government, remove the deadwood, and drive healthy growth. Third, earmarks can be a pretty pernicious part of the legislative process. Lawmakers can hold important legislation hostage as they demand payoffs for vested interests in their own districts, or sign on to bad laws because their district is getting a kickback. It might not be a bad idea to limit that as well. And finally, replacing the income tax with a consumption tax makes great economic sense. The income tax has been thoroughly manipulated, so the wealthy and giant corporations often don't have to pay it or very much, while the rest of us are stuck, often paying a couple thousand dollars just to have somebody else figure out the tens of thousands of dollars that we have to fork over to the government every year for a bloated bureaucracy that's spending trillions of dollars on agencies that aren't accomplishing their goals. I can kind of understand why these 20 folks are angry about all this, but I think their strategy is suicidal. The thing about ideologues is that there often is more than a grain of truth to the assertions they make and sometimes some virtue in the policies that they advocate. They have the finesse of a steamroller but they often know what the problems are. They just don't know the solutions. Their ideas are almost always simplistic. Their goals are achievable, but only with a little more thought. The left shares many of these goals. You might think of the left as just uniformly champions of big government, more spending, more powerful unions, and many times they are, but there's also a strong contingent on the left that favors a return of power to localities, to citizens, lower tax rates for individuals, fewer loopholes for the rich and the powerful, and more effective government that actually gets things done. We have a political industry that thrives on the kind of dysfunction that we are seeing in the Republican Party today by keeping the left and right far apart from one another and by ensuring that there is no governing majority of citizens across the broad center, they prevent the reasonable among us from getting together, listening to the ideologues, sorting truth from exaggeration, and developing solutions that are truly healthy for the country. That gives the political industry exactly what they have had for decades now. Since the 1950s, the ever-increasing ability to auction off the nation's now $4.5 trillion annual budget Every provision of the tax code, every complex loophole in regulations, every legislative provision that creates a cottage industry that hires lobbyists to keep its carve-outs and favors in place. And this is the political industry that the mainstream leaders of both parties need to navigate through to get to solutions for any of the challenges we face. Mainstream Republicans and Democrats have to face the reality that in order to attack any of the problems that they seek to resolve, They've got to hand out money to the existing status quo political industry and their clients, who themselves have little choice but to pay the industry or suffer the consequences. Money indeed plays too big a role in lawmaking these days, but it's not just the vested interests that are at fault. It's the industry that has control of the money and favors 
that they can extend or withdraw from those interest groups. The only way to get the money out of politics, the only way to disrupt the political industry that drives overspending, is for advocates on the left and right to join together to reform a badly corrupted system. That means talking to extremists on the left and the right, not to do what they say because they very rarely have solutions, but they do know many of the problems. Then convene across the middle 70% to understand the problems and their complexities, the positives and negatives of reform, and to decide on reforms that actually work. So, as Republicans wind their way to selecting their leadership in the House, here are the two options I suggest they consider. Nancy Pelosi is an enormously talented broker of power, an effective one, a smart one, one of the few that can keep a divided party working together. She's just retired from one party, at least from her leadership role, and I think the Republicans should consider snapping her up right now to impose some discipline on their extreme members. But there's another option that the party could pursue as well, and it may have to. Reach across the aisle to find a few leaders among Democrats and independents with whom to partner to look seriously at how to disrupt the power of the political industry and return a bit of it to the people. The gang of 20 Republicans demanding their changes right now are losing that battle. They don't have a majority behind them. They don't have a citizen base. They don't have interest groups. And above all, they don't have anybody on the blue side of the spectrum. It will probably be smart folks in the broad middle who are serious about dealing with these problems, who ultimately throw up their hands and say, well, you know what? We need to step forward across party bounds and work together to reduce the influence of money and the control of power brokers that keep a brittle old status quo in place. If the current humiliation goes on, the Republicans may have no choice but to reach over to the Democrats to elect a speaker with votes from both sides. It's likely that the extremists on each side would oppose that ferociously. And yet that is probably what they need most if they want to accomplish their objectives and not just die for them. And that is not BS. But I am, and I look forward to hearing what you think.